The Duty of Women, Chapter 16 I arrived back in the middle of May. The court was at Greenwich and the orchards were in full green leaf. I made my way to the Queen's presence chamber, feeling very alone. Sir Thomas Wyatt was now ambassador to the Holy Roman Emperor, Lady Willoughby only an occasional visitor, and Will was far away, both in distance and his heart. As I approached the chamber, I was halted by a small procession making its way across my path. At its head was a young woman, followed by a child and a number of gentlewomen. I paused and curtsied, aware that these were important people. Why, Mistress Cat, I have not seen you in several years. What are you doing at court? Have you been employed as a chambermaid? I recognised her voice instantly, and her tone, intentionally insulting, could only come from one woman. It was Princess Mary. Only now I knew she was called Lady Mary. I rose from my curtsy and answered calmly, No, my lady, Her Majesty has ordered me to return as her musician. I am just about to be presented to her. Mary glowered at me. I realised suddenly that she had been jealous of my close relationship with her mother. Our mother. Of course, Mary didn't know that, nor ever would. So, I will see you often. You must know that I attend on the Queen daily, she said, looking at me as if I was the dirt on her shoe. Her scorn wasn't shared, though, by the little girl behind her, who came running up to me. Hello, she said, peering up at my face. Will you play with me? The Lady Elizabeth, now nearly four years old, bright and chubby. I was about to tell her that I would play whatever game she wanted when I was free, when I was interrupted by Lady Mary. Elizabeth, we do not mix with servants. Do not demean yourself, sister. You may be a bastard, but you are of royal blood. Elizabeth made a face, but went back to stand behind her sister. I smiled inwardly, knowing that royal blood ran as much through my veins as theirs. Mary turned her face away from me and continued to lead the procession. I noticed as they passed that Elizabeth had stuck her tongue out at her and some of the gentlewomen were giggling. Unaware of this, Mary went through the door, moving solemnly towards the presence chamber. 
I waited a moment outside the door. I was to be met by the Queen's Chamberlain and presented by him. When he arrived, he told me, Lady Mary and Lady Elizabeth are with the Queen now. We will need to wait outside until I get the signal. I curtsied my acknowledgement and then said, How long have they been back at court? The Chamberlain was effusive. Queen Jane begged the King on her knees to allow them back. And once Mary had signed the Act of Succession, declaring herself to be illegitimate, and the Act of Supremacy, acknowledging that the King was now head of the Church, he was pleased to allow her back to court, along with her small sister. I wondered how she had brought herself to submit to her father. I knew both Acts went against everything her mother had taught her. A proud woman... She must have been brought low in order to put her name to them. I didn't like her, but I could understand why she was so unpleasant. Her beloved mother put to one side, now almost forgotten. Her status as heir to the throne snatched from her. But the king still did not have an heir. So the Lady Mary's position was more powerful than it had been for a long time. The Queen has been very kind to Lady Mary, observed the Chamberlain, who had come to join me, and the King sits beside her at supper. It is good to see her back at court. What he didn't say, and who could, was that if Queen Jane was unable to produce a son, then the Lady Mary would have to be reinstated as the King's successor. Come with me, the Chamberlain said and brought me through the heavy oak doors into the Queen's presence chamber. It was as magnificent as I remembered, with the bosses of the ceiling all Tudor roses, with each one having the Queen's phoenix rising out of it. Queen Jane sat underneath a canopy of state, embossed with red and gold and the royal arms of England. She wore a heavy English hood, blazing with rubies, the white cambric of her coif just showing underneath. Her gown was cloth of gold, covered with a tissue of silver, as if she was surrounded by a lustrous mist. Massed behind her were around twenty ladies, the representatives of the most powerful houses in England. I noticed Maria Willoughby's daughter, the Duchess of Suffolk, was amongst them. Also, Anne Seymour, Jane's sister-in-law, Lady Rutland, and the Countess of Sussex. They were like jewels in a box, each one more dazzling than the last. At the very front of the group was Lady Mary, in a gown of green velvet and gold. Beside her stood a gentlewoman, trying to control the young Lady Elizabeth, who was getting bored. I looked at Jane in the middle of all this. She looked like a little girl caught dressing up in her mother's clothes. Her face hadn't changed. She looked pale, almost overcome by her grandeur. She sat very stiffly, but I knew that this was because it was hard to move in the state gowns that she had to wear. So heavy were they with precious stones. I approached her and curtsied deeply. 
Mistress Cat, she beamed. I've missed you. Now you must come with me afterwards and tell me all the news from Wolf Hall. Have you brought your loot? I smiled and told her. Yes, your majesty, I have it. One of my loots was with my belongings in the maid's dormitory. The other was with Mistress Meady for safekeeping. Well, you must start practising immediately, she ordered. I remembered that Maria had said that she'd become more practised in playing the Queen's role. She was used to giving orders now. She beckoned me towards her and then gave me a secret smile. I will have need of you very soon, Cat. I'll speak with you later. I watched as she welcomed ambassadors, returning courtiers, and turned her head occasionally to smile at the king's daughters. She did it well enough, but she didn't have the presence of Catherine or the intelligence of Anne. And when they bowed, it seemed like the noblemen were not bowing to her, but to her queenly dress. I realised at that moment that the golden dress had once been Anne's. Yes, I remembered her wearing it well enough, when she went to Calais, I think. I thought of Anne wearing the gown, at the height of her radiance and power. Did Jane not shiver at the thought that Anne had touched, gathered, inhabited the same gown? It might still have traces of the violet perfume she had worn, maybe at the neckline. But I was being silly and sentimental. It was common practice for clothes to be passed on to other family members, and the Queen's clothes were as valuable as her jewels. But it was one thing wearing a gown from your mother or your sister. Quite another to wear the golden bridal gown of a woman barely cold in her grave. I thought Anne would have smiled that wry smile of hers and laughed at the thought of the ungainly Jane Seymour in the glamorous cloth of gold. I wore it better than she did, Cat, you must admit. For a moment I felt very sad, but I knew I must banish all thoughts of Henry's previous queens. I would see them, maybe as ghosts, every now and then, but their time had gone. When Queen Jane got back to her privy chamber, she was in high spirits. She tapped her foot impatiently as her ladies lifted the heavy gown carefully over her head. Then Anne Seymour handed her a pink velvet loose gown lined with ermine, which she wrapped around herself. She sat down on the settle beside the fire and beckoned for me to join her. I saw a look of distaste passed through the assembled ladies like a fast-flowing stream. But Jane didn't notice. She was happy to see me and sent them all away. They gathered up Jane's clothes and made their way out, muttering in hushed tones. Jane took my hand in hers. They keep telling me what to do, she whispered. They don't like me having friends outside the circle, but I had to see you, Cat. You remind me of what it was like when I was just a girl. Do you remember when we got drunk on me together? I laughed, but pointed out, 
And then the king gave you a lift home on his horse. Do you remember that? Jane nodded. I thought it was just fun back then. Do you know, Cat, I never had anyone telling me I was beautiful before the king did. I was the plain one always. My brothers wouldn't dance with me unless my father forced them to do it. I was always the one standing to the edge of the dancing. I'd try to move back so people wouldn't notice me. She was on the edge of tears now. I never thought I'd marry Cat, and truthfully, I was quite glad. I even thought about being a nun. I teased her a little. You wouldn't be drinking mead if you were a nun. That is, if you had a convent to live in nowadays. Slowly, over several years, the convents and monasteries were being closed down. Every item of property held by them was recorded prior to the king's taking possession. This was the work that was taking Will away from London so often. I remember that Queen Anne had wanted the money raised from this to go towards education. But the king, with Cromwell's help, simply took it all. Some lands were given to favourites, some sold. But the money that poured into the treasury was subsidising the king's lavish lifestyle, not establishing colleges for the poor. That is so sad, Jane said quietly. Those poor holy men and women told to leave the only place they've ever known as home. Some who resisted, even put to death. I tried to raise it with the king, but he was very angry with me. She paused for a minute. He slapped my face, cat. I was so frightened. I won't meddle in politics ever again. That's a good idea, Jane, I said, quite forgetting her position. She stiffened a moment and then relaxed and laughed. It's, it's all right when we are together to use my name, but don't forget to address me as the Queen in public. My ladies would be angry. Yes, and I might get accused of treason, I said, only half joking. She smiled at me. Dear Cat, it's so good to have you around. You make me feel like a girl again, Cat. I've something to tell you, but you mustn't tell anyone. Promise you won't, not even Will. I haven't seen Will yet. We're still living separately, Your Majesty. I couldn't stop the sadness creeping into my voice. But I won't tell him, even if we do make peace between ourselves. Cat, I'm with child. I felt it quicken in my womb three days ago. And then I knew. I've missed my courses, I think. February, March and April. But that's happened before and nothing came of it. So, when I felt my baby move, Cat, I was so happy. Everything will be all right. I will have a baby and maybe two or three more and I will be safe. I hadn't noticed before, but in the loose wrap, I saw that her belly was indeed swollen, though it was still very small. Jane, congratulations. I'm so pleased for you. How have you been? Have you been sick? Ginger is good for sickness. I can fetch you some if you want. I babbled on for some minutes, asking her for all of her symptoms, telling her all about mine. I didn't mention my painful labour, though. When you've been through that, you only share it with those who know. You protect any young or inexperienced women from the terrifying reality of what lies ahead of them. 
Jane was too relieved at having a well-established pregnancy to be worrying about her confinement just yet. She confirmed that she was feeling well and eating far more than normal. She hadn't been sick, except a couple of times, near the beginning. She had had a longing for quail pies and had been sending down to the kitchens for them every day. Have you told the king? She shook her head. I wanted to be sure. I was scared of his disappointment if I turned out I didn't have a baby after all. I'll tell him tonight. She clapped her hands together. Oh, he will be so happy. There'll be no quails left in London, I said dryly, for the king will commandeer them all for you. What a celebration there will be. Jane looked worried for a moment. She didn't like these big occasions. I took her in my arms and hugged her. And everyone will want to dance with you, your majesty. Of course, I wasn't there when she told the king, but his hoops of joy could be heard all over the court. He organised a three-day festival of food, dancing and music to honour his queen. Bonfires were lit across the nation and subjects gathered around them to drink their queen's health. A Te Deum was sang at St Paul's Cathedral with the Lord Mayor and all the aldermen present. Prayers were offered in every church for the safe delivery of an heir. In the middle of all of this, Jane stood, lost and a little bewildered. Apart from her bump, she was very thin and pale. But throughout it all, she was smiling at last, she was not a disappointment. Her family were smiling. Power was shifting their way. And if an heir was produced, they would be without rival at court. The king found it hard to leave Jane alone during her pregnancy. He hovered over her ladies, passing on recipes for herbal infusions, telling them what she should be eating, what limited exercise she should take, and how much rest she should be taking. He even told me off for playing some music that was too spirited, too arousing for a woman with a very precious child. He stood over me, his bulk blocking out the light. Leave that din. Can you not play something more soothing, girl? As he spoke, a drop of his spittle landed on my face. I lowered my eyes and started on a softer melody. Inside myself, I was saying, I hate you. You have no idea how much I hate you. Fortunately, my choice of music was acceptable and he turned his attention back to Jane. Are you eating enough, my love? You're making a son. You must make him strong and lively. Jane, who loved quail pies, but felt queasy at the greasy smell of roast boar, shuddered imperceptibly. He ignored her and spoke to her sister-in-law, Anne Seymour. Make sure Her Majesty eats a good portion of chicken at every meal, and she should not eat sweets. Don't let her forget, Anne Seymour said. I will, Your Majesty. She will not evade me. Anne Seymour was not Jane's favourite person. She used her marriage to Edward Seymour as a means of controlling the Queen, and the Queen was too frightened to object. I felt sorry for her. Neither Catherine nor Anne 
had allowed other people to dictate to them. But Jane was a very different person. The king dismissed us all to allow him to spend some time alone with Queen Jane. I rushed outside, desperate for the calming fresh air. I needed some time on my own, away from the gossips of the court. But as I ran into the knot garden, I could still hear King Henry through the open window. He was booming at Jane. Wife, I was told you were seen playing cup and ball yesterday. How can that be? You know that vigorous exercise is dangerous. I couldn't hear what Jane was saying, but I knew that she encouraged the Lady Elizabeth to play with her and guessed they had been chasing each other around the Queen's chamber. Whatever she had said, it didn't pacify the King. Madam, have a care. If you lose this baby, I will hold you responsible. Hear my warning. I will take any careless behaviour on your part as an assault on a royal prince. I have no time for a woman who will not do her utmost to protect my heir. Beware, madam, of willful disobedience. Something inside me exploded. I had for years hidden my hatred for my father deep inside. But hearing the way he was treating poor, helpless Jane made my anger boil over. I stood facing the window and shouted, You are a bully and a coward. You're killing this woman. You're not content with driving Catherine and Anne to their graves. She will join them soon. I hope they haunt you in your dreams. A furious roar came from inside the palace. Who is that? Guards, catch the girl. Treason. I ran away from the open garden towards the maze. I was swift on my feet and managed to dive into it before they had reached the knot garden. Panting, my heart thumping, I burrowed under a hedge near the centre of the maze. What had I done? Why had I been so foolish? Had anyone seen me? I don't think the king had come to the window in time. But had anyone else been walking in the gardens nearby? More than anything I had ever done, I had put myself in danger. And for what? Just to relieve the furious anger that raged inside me. I curled up into a ball and made myself as small as I could. My breathing was fast and panicky. I tried to slow it, to concentrate on a ladybird crawling along a leaf nearby. I heard men's voices. Where's she gone? I saw a woman over there making for the orchards. She was wearing a dirty brown gown. A street woman, no doubt. How did she get in here? She's vanished. She must have gone away. You go to the orchards and we'll search the park. I heard them run past the maze without venturing into it. In truth, they probably didn't want to get stuck for hours. The maze was treacherous. One could spend a whole day in it, fruitlessly going round and round. I lay quietly for what seemed like a long time, but was probably only a few minutes. I stiffened 
when I heard footsteps hurrying along, separated from me by only a hedge. Who was it? Had the guards decided to brave the maze? Cat, I thought it was you. What were you doing, my love? It was Will, holding out his hand to me to pull me up. I stood up and brushed the leaves from my skirt. Did you see what happened? I asked. No, but I heard it. I was walking towards the palace and heard the commotion. I would know your voice anywhere, Cat. What possessed you? I couldn't afford to get angry with him, so I admitted I'd made a mistake. He's mistreating Queen Jane, and I couldn't bear it after everything he did to the others. Will sighed deeply. Cat, when will you understand that we ordinary people cannot challenge the rich and powerful? You don't seem to realise how much danger you put yourself in. You could have been killed. I felt stupid. Everything he said was right. But I felt that because Henry was my father, I had a right to confront him. You had a right to confront him? Will said incredulously. So you were going to join Cardinal Wolsey, Thomas More, Queen Catherine, Queen Anne? Your confidence amazes me, Cat. I'm not confident now, I confessed. I'm very scared. What should I do? Will took pity on me. You should come with me into the court. We've been for a stroll along the river, man and wife. I'm sure they didn't see you properly. They said they were looking for a street woman in a brown dress. I felt some relief. Why do they blame the street people? The courtiers are much more dangerous. Will laughed. That's better. Come on, cat. I will say you've been with me for the last hour. But now we must return. Come. He put his arm around me and guided me out of the maze. How did you find your way out so quickly? I asked. He smiled. Put it down to a love of puzzles. I studied the plans for the maze one afternoon. I was interested to find out how to beat it. Will was well suited to being a lawyer, I thought. He had a love of detail which I found tedious. I squeezed his hand. I guess for once it's been useful. Thanks for rescuing me. He brought my hand to his lips and kissed it. We must talk, Cat, he said. But for now... Let's parade ourselves. He took me into the great hall of the palace. There was no royal presence, but people were milling around, talking excitedly. My fellow musician Ned saw me and waved, beckoning me to him. Will and I walked towards him, Will greeting a few people that he knew, every time introducing me as his wife. Cat, where have you been? You've missed all the excitement. I smiled at Ned and replied, I've been walking by the river with my husband. Have you met him? I introduced the two men. Will said, So, what's been happening? Why is everyone so jumpy? Ned was always ready for a gossip. A witch broke into the palace grounds. A filthy, wild woman, I've heard. And then she called out treasonous attacks on the king. 
He is so angry that she was allowed through. He has dismissed the guards on duty. I felt sorry for the guards, but relieved that the focus of inquiry seemed to be a wild, witchy woman. What of the Queen? I asked. She's gone to her bed. She was so distressed, the King ordered her to rest. I nodded, feeling some relief that Jane was now absent from all of this trouble. They won't catch the woman now, Ned said conversationally. She'll be back in London by now. Let us pray they do manage to bring her to justice, Will said smoothly and led me on to another group of his friends. Punctiliously, precisely, he was introducing me to everyone he knew and telling them all of our walk. I loved him for that. He was establishing my alibi and I told myself that if he hadn't cared for me, he wouldn't have bothered. After about an hour, when we had heard the story many times, Will guided me out of the hall. You just saved my life, I said. I can't ever repay you. Will's face looked stern. Maybe you can't, he said, but we must talk. Let us now take that walk by the river. It was early summer and the trees were in full fresh leaf. Skiffs went up and down the Thames, but the walkway we were on was quiet. We didn't speak for a while until Will took my hand. Cat, I am so sorry I told you to leave. I've regretted it for many months. I should have sorted things out with you, not ordered you to go. His eyes rested on me warmly. Will you forgive me? Why did you do that to me, Will? I thought you would never let me go. What changed with you? I was angry, Cat, because you had gone off without telling me to put yourself and me at risk. But she was my mother, Will. Queen Catherine was my mother. I know it was dangerous, but she was dying. I had to see her. Will looked down at the ground. Cat, I was jealous. I'm sorry, but I was so jealous. Jealous of my mother? I was very surprised. But she was just an old woman, Will. She was no threat. It wasn't her. It was what she represented. Your royal blood, your lineage. When you chose to visit her, even though you knew it would be dangerous... I thought you didn't want me any more. I could see that you were regretting marrying me. All those arguments. Will, I don't regret marrying you. I love you. I chose to live with you. I didn't try and live with her. But when I heard she was dying, I had to go. Will, if it had been your mother, Joan, you would have gone. Suddenly, he started to cry. I never said goodbye. That stays with me. At least you were with Joan, and then later with Catherine. I envied you that. Was I lucky to be at two deathbeds? It didn't feel like that at the time. He nodded slowly. I've been stupid. I know that. Do you really not regret marrying me? Never. 
I said emphatically. So will you forgive me? I'm truly sorry, Cat. Will, of course I will. But there is something I must tell you. He held up his hand. I know, Cat. Tom told me. You have a girl, a little girl. Then it was my turn to cry. I missed you so much, daughter. Yes, she's being well cared for. Her name is Alice. He looked thoughtful. And so when did you give birth? He asked. I remembered he had an eye for detail. In September, I said, not giving the exact date. Will looked at me questioningly. Cat, there is something I must ask you. Please do not be offended. Is the baby mine? I don't want to blame you, but I must know. We sat down on a bank which was covered in daisies and buttercups. I had a sudden stab of memory of Joan gathering sweet meadow flowers with me and Will so many years ago. I picked a daisy and started pulling the petals from it. He waited. At last, I said, Will, I don't know. So she could be someone else's. A spasm of pain crossed his face. Or she could be yours. I just don't know, Will. I'm so sorry. He made a strange sound and I realised he was starting to cry. How could you do that to me? He said, I've been faithful, but you, you took up with a man just after we parted. Who is he? I will tell you sometime, but not now. I was afraid Will might try to pick a fight with Thomas Wyatt and thus ruin all of our lives. He thinks Alice is his and he is paying for her upkeep. Will screwed up his eyes. I could have helped you. Why didn't I do that, cat? I cast you away and now it's all spoilt. I threw the bare remnants of the daisy to the ground. It isn't all spoilt, Will, I said. We could try again, build a life together again. Will shook his head. I don't think I could do it, Cat. Bring up another man's child. You won't even tell me who it is. How could we live together with that secret hanging over us? I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to do anything, not because I want to keep it a secret. Will laughed. Cat, you are the one who does things, not me. I'm the careful one. You think if I found out which man fathered your child, it could be ours, I interrupted. But you don't think it is, Will snapped. Do you think I would assault the man and get myself into trouble? No, I don't really, I said, realising that I wasn't being fair to Will. Well, who is it then, he demanded. Will it make a difference to your decision? Will looked coldly at me. It might do, but I doubt it. So tell me. I took a deep breath and took his hand. Will, 
It was one night. Yes. It wasn't important, Will. One night with Tom Wyatt. That's all.